myself. My name is Ron. James Bond is looking at you, kid. The force will be with you always. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're gonna need a bigger boat. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Where shall I go? What shall I do? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Backlot Review, an official part of the Backlot Podcast Network. I am your host, Steven Saria, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Kegg. John, what's up? What up, what up, what up? It's time. It's time for our long-awaited episode. Yeah, it's been uh, one year in the making. (laughs) Wait, actually, that's actually pretty accurate, if you think about it. Thank you. So, it's time for our long-awaited end-of-year episode. Just a little later than usual. About a month later than usual. But it was a special year. Yeah. I mean, award season is next month or the month after? I mean, technically should be next... Wait, is it next month? I think it'd be... Well, I think think they postponed it to March. It's It's supposed to be in February. But if it's postponed to March, then I guess we're a little bit early. Well, I mean, well, this isn't our award episode. No, I know, but However, I'm saying, like, you know, that like usually our list would be kind of around that. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. I mean, there's still a lot of wait. Spoilers, bro. We haven't even said what the episode is. Oh, shit! <laughs> now they know it's a list. Oh no! <laughs> so we're this back, is our long-awaited. We're, we're, we're back to making lists on our uh, on our show. It's been a while since we did a list. Actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, we used to do lists for everything, like top five favorite fucking Tom Holland movies or some shit. Have I seen five movies with Tom Holland? Not <laughs> counting Marvel. I was going to say Civil War, Avengers 1, or Avengers 3. Damn, he was in Avengers 1? Damn. He was in Back Iron in- Man 2. No, it wasn't Tom Holland, though. Uh, oh, that's right. That rumor that was like, oh, that's it's Peter Parker. And it's like, okay, bro. <laughs> well, Kevin Feige, someone asked Kevin Feige about it. And he was like, he, like, I th- he, he pretty much was like, I kind of like that. Yeah, that's Peter Parker. <laughs> like, it was just like on the he's spot. Like, he was he's like, like yeah, yeah, whatever you it. want. Yeah, let's he's do like, it. like, yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> so this is our long-awaited top 10 films of 2020 episode. Uh, like John says, it has technically been a year in the making. And it being such a special year, it needed uh, an extra month <laughs> of polishing up and, and viewing to sort of crank out a top 10 list that we were happy with. Because I had said this a little bit earlier, but there were a lot of films, you know, plenty of films that got pushed back to the point that, you know, we couldn't have seen them at all in 2020. Films like No Time to Die, Black Widow, Dune it was another big one. That sort of got pushed back I think, to um, 2021, 2022. What do you think? I think when we made our list last year, like I think we talked about movies that were highly, like, ex- or that we were super excited for. Didn't we have like a list of movies that we were excited for, for 2020? Yeah, I think we had like a list of movies. Uh, we should go that... back and listen to that because <laughs> most of those movies probably did not come out. Yeah, I know for sure Dune was on there. Yeah. Uh, I for sure probably said No Time to Die Eternals. on there. Eternals, that's right. A lot, a lot of films that never saw the light of day in 2020 that are supposedly going to see the light of day in 2021, whether it be through streaming or movie theaters or 
VOD or however. But that has yet to be seen. So, you know, we're just sort of going in with fingers crossed for, you know, these big tempo releases. But there were a couple of films that were coming out that got pushed back to like January, February-ish for this year that are still technically films released in 2020 that maybe made like smaller circuits, like small limited releases that we didn't have a chance to see. Films like Pieces of a Woman, uh, Promising Young Woman, One Night in Miami was another one, Minari, which unfortunately we never got a chance to see. I think it comes out on Hulu, I think in February. But I was really excited to see that one because I, I really thought I'm that was going to make my list. That. Oh, absolutely. We're definitely going to be talking about that, especially once we get closer to award season, like I said. But it's interesting that you bring up when we made our list for our most anticipated movies for 2020 back in 2019. Because if I can remember correctly, some of those films that I was really excited for that got pushed back or you know delayed because of uh, COVID-19 might have actually made my list this year if they had been released normally. But there were a lot of really great films that actually did end up coming out that are worthy of still being on my top 10. So, like, for example, like Green Knight, if the Green Knight would have come out in 2020, uh, that could have been on my list. Maybe even No Time to Die. Just those two off of, off the top of my head. Uh, definitely. But nonetheless, Green Knight didn't come out. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was ever confirmed to come out in 2020. I think it was going to. Yeah. But, you know, obviously because of COVID, it, it got pushed back. And I think now it's supposed to come out late this year, I believe. Hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, nonetheless, still, all things considered, not a bad year for, for movies. Definitely not the year it could have been, but still... It was uh, no 2019, because 2019 was a hell of a year. We had Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, The Irishman, Marriage Story. Yeah, it was, a, it was a very good year, actually. It was a very good year. Jojo Rabbit. I, I would say I, I still prefer uh, 2016, personally. Mm-hmm. The year with Moonlight, La La Land. Uh, I think Arrival came out that year. Everybody yeah, wants some. Yeah, that was another some. great year. Uh, those are all either genuine masterpieces like I believe Moonlight is or films that are in my personal top 10 list I'm not gonna say what those two are because uh, spoiler alert might be a future episode revolving around our uh, personal top 10 lists Mm. we just we love lists on this show yeah we do right we just love listing things I can make a list of my favorite co-hosts on the show (laughs) oh I don't have a list of that because I don't have Uh, a favorite JP and Nick. Nick at the top. And then that's it. Wild. It's actually wild. Am I missing somebody? No, I don't think so. I think I got everybody. <clears throat> we do, we actually do make a lot of lists because I remember that one time I was driving back from Jacksonville and I texted you <laughs> out of the blue and I was like, <laughs> name your top 10 favorite Disney songs. That's right. Damn, you remember that? Wow. Yeah, I was driving back, and then, because I was, like, having a whole discussion about, like, the best Disney songs, I'm like, let me get Steven's input on this. I couldn't even tell you what my top ten list was at the time. There's so many good songs. Yeah, I mean, okay, let's let's kind of change the subject here, because I will literally start talking about I mean, let's my just top sing. ten Disney songs, let's just and sing, that'll... Bro. We could sing the episode. Okay. 
I'd rather not, though. Well, that, that'll be a future, future episode. Oh, spo- damn, another spoiler alert. <laughs> a backlot musical episode? A backlot musical episode? Yes, I'm actually down. <laughs> so, our top 10 list of 2020, definitely some deserving films on this list, absolutely. However, <laughs> I honestly did consider bending the rules a little bit. I, I don't know if you did too. So, for those of you who haven't listened to the show before, John and I are basically going to count down our top 10 films of 2020 in descending order. So, starting from 10, you know, all the way to 1. Talking about why they deserve that spot on our list. Now, you know, we always like to do some honorable mentions. So, I'm going to go ahead and and say my honorable mentions uh, before we start. And I know you have some too, right, John? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so, all right, let's, let's get into it. So, my honorable mention for 2020, I'm going to go ahead and sort of, like I said, bend the rules a bit. I'm actually going to go ahead and put uh, Queen's Gambit on my honorable mention. And now, I know I'm going to get a lot of angry tweets, uh, a lot of angry DMs and emails saying, Steven, Queen's Gambit is not a film. But it's not a TV show. To which my response would be, but it is on Letterboxd. That's and the thing. If it's on Letterboxd, it's it's legit. Like, if it's on Letterboxd, like, I feel like it should be on my, on my list. <laughs> it's credible. It's Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Letterboxd is a... Fi- I, obviously, obviously, I know it's not a movie, but it's my list, and I could do whatever the hell I want with my list. Right, I'm going to go ahead and... I'm going to put uh, uh, Queen's Gambit over on my honorable mention. I'm not going to put it on my top 10 because, well, it's not really a movie, although I was really close to putting it on my top 10. Uh, I want to go ahead and say a big reason why this is in my honorable mention is because of my queen, Anya Taylor-Joy. For those of you who have listened to the show, those of you who have known me, who have known me for quite some time, I've been a huge Anya Taylor-Joy fan since... 2016 when the witch came out uh, i think she's an incredibly talented actress and i think queen's gambit uh, did a lot of great things uh, for her stock you know yes. anya taylor joy's stock is really high right now oh yeah i mean she had emma that came out earlier this year which uh, unfortunately i never got a chance to see she queen's was in that gambit. very popular movie in new mutants <laughs> that's right new mutants came out this year she was in that. Honestly, so I saw that movie, and she actually was probably the best part of that movie. I mean, I don't doubt it. I really don't yeah, doubt everything it. Everything else in that movie was atrocious, but her, I didn't mind. I actually thought she did pretty well. Like she, I, I think she had a bit of a Russian accent, if I can remember correctly. Um, but it worked. It was good. I liked it. Interesting. Uh, I definitely have to check that out. But I mean, she was in Queen's Gambit. I know she's. she's She's going to be in, in Robert Eggers' Robert Eggers' new film, The Northman, coming out, which is the same director as, uh, as The Witch. I know she has Last Night in Soho with Edgar Wright, and I think Matt Smith is in that film, too, coming out. That's so, exciting. Anya Taylor-Joy's stock uh, is high right now, and Queen's Gambit is a genuinely great miniseries. I know you watched it. Yeah, I loved it. She's, um, yeah, she's a very, very incredible actor, or actress. Um, you know... I kind of like want to see her do something big like 
maybe in Marvel or something. What do you think? Like, like, the, like, like a Gwen let's, Stacy. Let's pretend, let's pretend she could maybe do a, a good Gwen Stacy, but like, I would want her to be maybe like a member of the X Men or something. Hmm. Jean Grey. Maybe like I don't know. I think version? I think she'd be. I think she'd be a great Gwen Stacy. She would be a good Gwen Stacy. Maybe even like segue her into like a Spider Gwen. Okay, that's actually fire. Right. I didn't think of that. Okay. Okay, I could get behind that. Yeah, I mean that'd be pretty cool to see. So that was one of my honorable mentions. Uh, Queen's Gambit, great miniseries. I think it's on Netflix, right? Yes. Yeah, available on Netflix. Go ahead and give it a watch. And now. Another honorable mention, a film that was actually in my top 10 list for quite some time, Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. Now, uh, this is a pretty, this is probably my favorite Spike Lee film in quite some time. Oh, no, wait, Black Klansman was really good. Black Klansman is so good. Yeah, Black Klansman was really good. Uh, Nonetheless, I think this is uh, one of the better Spike Lee films. I think Spike Lee makes either really really great films like black Klansman and um i believe do the right thing is one of the all-time great films and i think it's essential viewing for everybody and i think the five bloods is more sort of along the lines of uh do the right thing uh the film centers on four african-american vietnam veterans who return to vietnam to look for the remains of their you know, the sea squad leader and some buried treasure that he helped uh, bury. But the film uh, goes much deeper than that. And one of the best descriptions I heard of the film uh, was actually by a, a reviewer on Letterboxd saying it, it's really about the story of two wars that never really ended, uh, especially for, for, you know, our protagonists, the war of Vietnam and the civil rights movement. And really, that's that's what the films, you know, that's what the films, you know, touches on. I think Delroy Lindo, who plays Paul in the film, gives a fantastic performance, and I think he's going to be the, uh, one of the shoe ins for a Best Actor nomination. Chadwick Boseman has a supporting role in this. Uh, he is really good in this. Um, also, spoiler alert: not going to be the last time we talk about Chadwick Boseman on this episode. Mm. Mm, yeah, uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge uh, to those of you who may know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, that was The Five Bloods, uh, directed by Spike Lee. Great, 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 great film, and definitely worthy of at least an honorable mention on my list. Also on Netflix, I believe. Yeah, also on on Netflix. So, right. uh, John, hit me. All right, so... I don't know if, if I'll do one honorable mention because you kind of did two, so now I kind of want to do two or three. But I'm not going to make them long. I'll do three. Fuck it. So my honorable mention one because I kind of just like want to throw this out there. <laughs> and you're going to be like, not surprised, but you're probably going to laugh. But I'm going to say Sonic the Hedgehog, man. <laughs> As an honorable mention. <laughs> Only because, bro, I think it's a very well done, like, children's movie and I well think can i give an honorable that. mention to the highest grossing film of 2020 do it bad boys for life was it was it really yeah <laughs> it oh was. my god <laughs> crazy it's actually right? on my list it's number 18 on my list in a year in which uh, okay imagine us in 
this position, like this time last year, you know, we're recording this right now, uh, January 25th. Imagine telling us January 25th, 2020. This is before COVID had really impacted America. Imagine telling us at this time last year that in a year in which two Marvel movies were releasing, Dune, Wonder Woman 1984, and a James Bond film, (laughs) that uh, Bad Boys for Life, a third Bad Boys movie, is going to be the highest grossing movie of the year. I mean, bro, if you would have told me that Sonic the Hedgehog, like, I think I, I said it as a joke a year ago, like, oh, that's going to be my top 10. <laughs> like, now I'm actually, like, being serious. Like, it's an honorable mention. Like, it's actually pretty good. Like, it's fucking bad. It, that just shows you how batch insane 2020 was. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go dive deep into Sonic the Hell. Like, it's it's Sonic. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, but I think it's a fantastic kids movie. Um, if you have kids, you know, little brother, sister, cousins, like it's a fun watch. Jim Carrey brings out his like nineties, like style of acting, like early two thousand style of acting. Uh, like he kind of brings it back for this movie and you know, us like nineties kids kind of appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, I love to see that kind of acting with Jim Carrey. He's, he's a shit and I find him hysterical. So uh, that's a great movie. I think it was actually really fun. Um, but another honorable mention that I have, which is, was a bit of a shock when I saw it was uh, Birds of Prey, and I think you can agree with that. I think that DC like comics films obviously are not that great. You know, they have Batman vs Superman, Justice League. You know, most recently WW eighty four. Not if you would have told resume. me this time last year that Birds of Prey was going to be the superior DC film coming out this year. I probably would have had the same reaction uh, as the Bad Boys for Life revelation. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, dude, Birds of Prey, I mean, like, you and I both loved it when we walked out. That movie has so much, like, like it's it's just awesome. Like, it has I think so much, Margo- like, it has, it has so much oomph. However, I do yeah. think, I do think uh, Birds of Prey was kind of, like, an unfortunate name. It really should have been Harley and Friends. Because, I mean, I really, mean, bro, that's do you remember... Do you remember that the first week it wasn't making that much money and they changed the name last second to Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey? Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I know yeah, Margot so. Robbie personally like had a say in what the original name was going to be, though. Which I respect. Like, she wants to stick close to the Was it like Birds material. of Prey and the emancipation, emancipation yeah. of one Harley Quinn or some shit like that? Something. Yes, exactly. Doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. Yeah, they had to change it to, like, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Much better title. I get it. Like, for a movie, that does make sense. But I I respect what she was trying to do, you know. Wants to stay close to the uh, source material. I love that. That's awesome. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I mean, this movie, like I said, I'm not going to dive deep into this one either. It's a comic book movie. Uh, Ewan McGregor is the villain. I think he's fucking phenomenal in this role. Um... Margot Robbie again brings her A game for for Harley Quinn. I think this is her second or third time playing Harley Quinn. Um, she's awesome. She's very Indeed. comic book accurate, very animated series accurate. I'm not gonna really go crazy with this, but like, yeah, I, I love that movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's one of DC's best. Like, I think we could both agree there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's up there with like Shazam. <laughs> Which is <laughs> kind of crazy. But that's a good movie. But it's a good movie. Shazam's actually very fun. It is. Um, it's a fun movie. Yeah. I think we reviewed last, it. Yeah, I think we did, actually. 
Um, my last honorable mention before we uh, dive deep into this top ten, uh, which is I guess my number eleven on my list, if you want to say, is American Pickle. Did you ever watch this, Stephen? I uh, the Seth Rogen movie. I actually didn't. Yeah, so this movie I believe is on Hulu or HBO Max. I forgot. Actually, it's on HBO Max. Um, a fun movie. Seth Rogen technically has two roles in this movie. Um, it's an immigrant worker that like works at a pickle factory like a hundred years ago and accidentally like falls into the pickles and his body's like preserved for, for, for like over a hundred years. They find him and he wakes up and goes looking for like his like great great grandson or something and his grand his grandson's like a it's like a coding like a computer coding genius kind of thing and it's just like him trying to It's kinda like me. Yeah, actually exactly like you. If you guys didn't know, Steven uh he coded Facebook. <laughs> I mean, nah, uh, what, what, if you what, did, what, we'd be, we'd have so much money right now, right? I say we because I know you'd give me some, <laughs> right? Uh, I would give it to my my uh, the co-host on my list earlier. Man, this guy's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, so the the premise of the movie is like pretty much that he finds his great grandson and. They kind of, you know, don't get along right away, and it shows him like getting all this uh, positive reaction out of people throughout the world, and it's just, it's like a, it's kind of quirky, but it's like, it's fun, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of good laughs. I think it's one of Seth Rogen's better roles, especially in both roles as the old man, you know, that got preserved in a pickle, and as the young coding genius, you could say. Um, it's very heartwarming at times, especially towards the end. It's it's a fun movie, man. I actually was shocked when I saw it. Like I saw, I remember when it came out. I saw people on Letterbox watching it and giving it like pretty decent, you know, uh, ratings, like a three and a half, three and uh, four. You know, if you see people rating that often, obviously the movie is probably pretty good. So mm-hmm. I was like, let me check this out. Watched it and I loved it, man. I thought I was shocked that. Seth Rogen was like in a good movie, you know what I mean? Like, not saying that he does a lot of bad movies, but I feel like he doesn't care that much. Uh, this one was definitely a little bit different, and I actually like want you to kind of watch it, Steven. I want to see what you uh, think about it, but it's definitely a very good movie. Interesting, American Pickle, right? Yes, it's on HBO Max. Hmm. We'll definitely be uh, giving that a watch very soon. So those were our honorable mentions. Now, let's go ahead and, and go into our number 10s. So my number 10 film of 2020 may be a little surprising to you, John. Okay. This was actually a change I made to my list yesterday in anticipation of recording. And I don't know if I'm happy with it, oh, no. but I definitely think... I have a gut feeling. I know what you're going to say. I definitely think it needs to be Oh no. on my list. And that film is Christopher Nolan's Tenet. <sighs> I knew you were going to say it. Now, for those of you who may not know, because John wasn't here the day we recorded the episode. That was an episode with myself and JP. Tenet is not my favorite movie. Uh, I don't think it's a great movie by any means. I actually think it's 
probably Nolan's worst. It is Nolan's worst. I, However, I, I was saying that Dark Knight Rises was, but I now think that Dark Knight Rises is better than this. Yeah. However, Nolan's worst is still a spectacle to watch. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, almost every single line of dialogue in this movie is exposition. Just, you know, sort Wait, of explain. When you can hear it. <laughs> Good point. But, you know, for all its faults, it still tries to do something that I have never seen before. And I think I need to give props to Nolan where those props are due. And I think that just... It, it lies on the fact that this film set out to do something completely insane... And while I don't think it hit on many levels, it's definitely a movie that resonated with me for just even trying to do it. And I think with just a few more touch-ups in the script, I truly think this could have been an incredible, incredible film. But I think where it's at now, it definitely deserves at least, you know, a mention on this list. And now I, 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 I struggled between putting this as an honorable mention and, you know, putting the five bloods on here. So really, it, honestly, the two are interchangeable. Uh, I had to go with Tenet only because of its sort of spectacle and the impression that it had on me. I think the five bloods is a much better film. But I think what Tenet sets out to do and almost accomplishes and the impression it left on me, I think I have to put it on my top 10 list. However, it's pretty much interchangeable with The Five Bloods, if, I, if I'm being completely honest. My my thing with Tenet is that like I have a ton of respect for Christopher Nolan. I mean, he's one of my favorite directors. This guy has done incredible movies. And I love the fact that he does take chances in his movies. Every single movie that he's done is something a little bit different than what we've seen before. And uh, I, like you said, like he was definitely attempting that with Tenet, but he did need a little bit of revision or some type of like authority to kind of look over his script. I don't want to say authority, but you know, just someone else needed to 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 you know. He definitely needed his need brother on this. Yeah, I was gonna say that, like Jonathan Nolan, which if you didn't know, his I think his younger brother um, helps. I think I think has done the screenwriting for every single movie that Nolan has done except Tenet. Tenet was strictly Christopher Nolan the screenwriting and just the story itself. I don't think Jonathan Nolan had any part of this movie at all, and I feel like it shows. Yeah, I agree. Because Jonathan Nolan is a phenomenal writer. If you want to see some of his work without his brother, I mean, he I'm pretty sure he's the main writer for Westworld, the TV show. You're right, actually. So He is. Yeah, and that show is awesome. It's, it's some of the most clever writing I've ever seen on a TV show in fucking years. And, um... So he obviously like Jonathan Nolan knows how to fucking write, and and I think I, I definitely think Christopher Nolan knows how to tell a story, and he has the ideas in his mind. But this just he needed like assistance with this. 
That's all I want to say. Just like a little bit of an assist from his brother, mm-hmm. and he didn't get it, and that's why I think I didn't like it that much. I mean, I gave it a three out of five on Letterbox, so it's not a terrible score. It's not great. It's not. It's not bad. Um, there's a lot of positives to, to, to take out of it, but yeah, I, 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 I could see why you put it at number ten. I just like. The more I think about this movie, the more I dislike it. That's why I just couldn't think about even putting it as an honorable mention. I mean, I feel that, and I 100%, you know, see where you're coming from. And when I tell you it was really close between this and Defy Bloods, I mean, like, it's really, really oh, I mean, close. I'm sure if I would have gave you, like, another, like, day to record, you would have probably switched it. Yeah, yeah. This is honestly maybe I'm just going off of like a gut instinct. Maybe I'm just going off of like emotion right now. But at the time of this recording, it's Tenet. Tomorrow, I could wake up tomorrow after recording this episode, and it could be Defy Bloods. But I mean, I feel like just right now, it it, it just has to be Tenet. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. So you know, sometimes you know, it, it just be like that sometimes. Yeah. So that's my number nine, Chris. Oh, number nine. <laughs> What number is that? Is that a new number? <laughs> That's my number 10. Uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Uh, John, what's yours? All right. So my number 10 is actually a movie that we had shoved down our throats for like a month all over TV. And like, you know, if you like log on to your fire stick or, you know, whatever. I saw the advertising for this movie all over the place. Um, was actually the king of Staten Island uh, hmm. starring Pete Davidson. Interesting. And I, little backstory. I'm not the biggest fan of Pete Davidson. I don't find him that funny. Um, I know some people think he's like hysterical. I don't find him that funny. I'm also not the biggest uh, Judd Apatow fan. That, did I pronounce his last name right? Apatow. Apatow. I'm not sure. That? Apatow. Apatow. Maybe. I don't. I know. think it's Apatow though. Yeah, I mean, if you which you don't know, he's like uh, he he's a huge producer in Hollywood. Also directs some movies here and there. Um, Let me text directed, him and ask him. We should get him on the podcast. Oh, we can. <laughs> um, some of the funniest movies that he's directed that I like is Forty Year Old Virgin and, and Knocked Up. But he's done a lot of other movies that I don't like. Funny People, I never really liked. Trainwreck, I actually don't like at all. This he is like super bad. Whatever he did, super bad. I think he wrote super bad. Oh, no, he produced yeah. it. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. He produces a lot of movies. I'm just talking about directing by itself. So okay. going into this movie, I wasn't really excited at all. Um, but I thought I should watch it. And um, I was shocked, man. It's actually a very good movie. A very, like, down-to-earth, like, story about this kid and his, like, I think he's, like, 25 years old, who paid Pete Davidson plays, who's, like, not doing shit with his life you know what i mean just sits at home all day smokes weed um he wants to be a tattoo artist even though he's like he's like horrible with art you know what i mean like his drawings suck so it's like you know how can this guy be a tattoo artist if he's like you know if he just fucking sucks at art mm-hmm. and um you know it's a movie about a guy that like lost his dad when he was young so he kind of has like daddy issues a little bit and uh Long story short, um, his mom, which is actually played by Marissa Tomei, which was pretty cool, starts dating uh, Bill Burr. <laughs> Bill Burr's in this fucking... <laughs> I love Bill Burr. He's hilarious. Um, 
I was actually shocked. <laughs> like, when they showed Bill Burr for the first time, I was like, holy fuck, it's Bill Burr. What the hell? Um, but, yeah, so um, she starts dating Bill Burr. Bill Burr is a firefighter. Uh, Marissa Tomei's ex-husband, who's now dead, was a firefighter as well. He died in a fire in the movie. I'm not going to give too much more away. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it kind of shows how he has an issue with him. And it shows just, like, the, uh, there's, like, a, this certain, this sense of growth with this character throughout the movie. And you start to, like, really, like, like <laughs> Pete Davidson's character, you kind of, like, are annoyed by him a little bit in the beginning of the movie. Because you're, like, you know, you're, like, this kid has, like, no motivation to do anything. Like, I wish he would, like, get up and, like, really, like, put forth effort into, like, life you know what i mean mm-hmm. like he's a little shit he talks back to people you know what i mean like but you start to root for him like halfway through the movie and you start to get a, a sense of like why he is that way and uh you kind of see him turn his life around a little bit and how he becomes more personable with people and it's it's actually probably i would say it's i don't know if pete davidson does a lot of movies i mean i don't really i don't think i've seen a lot of them with him but if he has, I mean, this is pro- I think I would assume this is probably his best role. I've heard that it's actually semi autobiographical. I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, how, it is. How true of that his is. real, uh, yeah, of his real life because his dad was sadly uh, one of the firefighters from nine eleven. That I think his dad died in real life too, like during the the towers. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. Very interesting. So, I have to, I have to give this a watch. I've heard it's it's actually a, like you said a pretty good movie, and I mean, you have it on as number ten on your list. So, dude, I, it was just it's a shock of a movie. Like 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 I said, I went into this movie like okay, this is gonna be a fucking typical Judd Apatow movie. Like whatever, I'll, I'll probably laugh like three times, and that's it. <laughs> but no, I actually like was moved by it. You know what I mean? Like I was like, wow, like what a fucking good movie. Like I was like. Like, like I smiled, you know. <laughs> it made me smile, and I'll, I appreciate. Wow, it. got a smile out of John Keg. Yeah, man. Interesting. So that's my number ten. Nice. So that's uh, King of Staten Island. John's number ten. Uh, moving on to number nine. My number nine is Hamilton. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, Hamilton. Uh, you know the famous Broadway play now streaming on. Disney Plus, you know, the hype around Hamilton uh, has been in the cultural zeitgeist for years now, probably since I was in, probably since I was in high school, actually, you know, you know, you couldn't really escape Hamilton, you know, from when it really, I don't remember when the Broadway play like first came out, maybe it was like 2014, 2015, I'm not sure, someone tweet me or something. Uh, when you listen to this episode, but it, it really felt like at a certain point you really couldn't escape it. You know, maybe you didn't know someone who who had seen Hamilton personally because I know obviously you know tickets were like really expensive back then. It wasn't really uh, accessible to to everyone to go and watch. But now that it is accessible to watch, if you have a Disney Plus subscription, did they? Hold on, not to cut you off, but did they release this on Disney Plus because of COVID? I think. Uh, I think it was supposed to come out like later in the year, and they actually ended up pushing it up. Oh, but it was going to come out regardless. Yeah, yeah. They just pushed the release date up, actually. It's one of those okay. films that actually didn't get delayed. <laughs> they actually released it sooner. <laughs> yeah, I think they were like, here, you guys are needing something to watch. Here, yeah. 
Yeah, so now Hamilton, I know this isn't the most <laughs> uh, historically accurate film, and it does paint, uh, you know, a lot of these, you know, slaveholders in a very positive light. However, you know, as a musical and as a, you know, a f- the filming of a musical for a film format, it really did resonate with me. I thought it was incredible. I, I didn't expect for the music to actually be nonstop. You know, we actually recorded Hamilton and, and I brought that up. That kind of took me by surprise. There's really no breaks in this movie. In, yeah, in this movie slash play, it all moves so fast. But it really is incredible, man. The stage production, the, the quality of, of everything that went into it. The actors I actually think Lin-Manuel Miranda is the weakest part of, you know, this play. I think Leslie wow. Odom Jr. is a star in the making. And I think he plays uh, Sam Cooke in One Night in Miami, actually, which uh, I'm, I really wanted to watch before this episode. Uh, I, I just didn't have time, but I heard he's fantastic in that film. He is absolutely incredible as Aaron Burr and Hamilton. Uh, David Diggs as uh, Thomas Jefferson and Marquard de Lafayette is, is, is fantastic. Uh, Jonathan Groff as King George. Uh, all around, the, the performances, the production, the music. And it's, it's kind of like memed now, like in today, like on social media, like on TikTok and Twitter. There's, there's a lot Wait, of like, in a good way. I, I, I've seen both, actually. Like, it's not like Conor McGregor from like Saturday. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen it memed both ways. Uh, I've seen a lot of negative reception towards it, which I, I completely understand. And again, you know, there's those you know theater kids Hamilton memes that that have been around for years. But it really resonated with me. I thought again, as a f- a recording and film version of a Broadway play, not a Broadway adaptation or like a film adaptation of a Broadway play. I think it was surprisingly good and and I know I brought this up when we actually reviewed it on on the show for the filming of a play the, the cinematography is quite impressive I know I said it back then and I'll say it again now you can tell the people behind this are fans of the play just uh by the effort and the way that they that they went ahead and they shot it you know from the close-ups from the wide shots I don't want to say establishing shots because it really is just one big set (laughs) um but it it really is incredible and I really think if you can go ahead and sit through the three hour long runtime I definitely think it's worth it and and pretty rewarding so uh, that's Hamilton at my number nine well I feel like with Hamilton you can kind of like cut it in half like a real Broadway play like watch one half of it you know well there is an intermission yeah, so exactly. You could just stop at the intermission and just take a break or, you know, watch it the next day or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. Again, I understand the people who have, uh, you know, their negative feelings towards it. But uh, I, think it, I think it is really great. I think it is worthy of of a watch. I saw it actually refer- <laughs> I saw it referred to as, like, the theater kids version of Avengers Endgame, <laughs> which, which I find pretty funny and uh, pretty accurate. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> that's actually a pretty uh, pretty funny comparison. Um, yeah, so. All right, so that's a that's a pretty that's a surprising number nine. Like I don't want to say surprising because it's like it's not it's like obviously Hamilton is phenomenal, but not many people would expect to see that on this list. So I actually mm-hmm. like that you put that there. It's kind of a curveball. 
Is that more surprising than uh, Tenet at 10? I don't know. Actually, no, Tenet has to be more surprising. Because you and I will text about, like, how much... Not how much we hate it. Like, we don't hate the movie. But, like, we'll, like, text each other, like, little things about, like, hmm, I don't really like this. And, uh... <laughs> That's yeah, true. We have done that a lot. Yeah. All right. So, my number nine, which I think you saw this, and I don't know if it's in your list. Um, I don't... By the way, I don't know what's on Steven's list. I'm pretty sure he doesn't really have access to my list i have no idea i mean i have access to your list i'm assuming it's your list on letterbox however i have not looked at it yeah we have ideas of what's on each other's list but um but yeah we're kind of like just going like we're just going through this because you know i feel like it's good to get our reactions out of these absolutely Um, i agree so my number nine is the devil all the time which i know that some people really liked it and some people really didn't like it um did you watch this steven did we review this? I'm Going not with, uh, sure. You, you saw this, though, right? I think so. The one with uh, Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson. Oh, yes, yes. I did. Oh, yes, I did watch it, but I didn't review it with you. I reviewed it with uh, JP. Oh, okay. JP and I so, reviewed this, uh, Tenet, and Enola Holmes on the same episode. Gotcha. Okay. So I have this on my list. I um, I like this movie a lot. And if you haven't seen it, um, I'll kind of give you like letterboxes review, a uh, quick synopsis of it. It's in Nakus, Nakmis, Ohio. I don't know. How Innocuous. To that. Oh no, never mind. It's actually like it's the, the name place of, of the city. movie. <laughs> I don't yeah. remember what it is. And it's neighboring backwoods. Sinister characters converge around young Arvin as he fights the evil forces that threaten him and his family. Um, this movie takes place in like the what, like early 1900s or something, like. 1930s or 40s or 50s i don't know um it's around that time uh tom holland is probably the main character even though he's not introduced until like halfway through the movie um i think tom holland right now is on fire i think yeah he's actually- definitely <laughs> stock is definitely booming yeah like i mean obviously the kid's spider-man but like movies that aren't marvel he's actually fucking doing great and like i'm very excited for cherry because he's in it like i think after watching the devil all the time i got more excited for cherry because i like to see him do serious roles and he was extremely serious in this like this is like complete like the other end of the spectrum of spider-man like you know what i mean like that kind of acting like this is on the opposite side and uh tom holland does a great job robert pattinson creeps me the fuck out in this film and that just fucking tells you how great an actor he is he's my favorite he ha- he has my favorite part in this film yeah but you know actually i don't want to say him but he's probably like my second favorite but my my favorite part of this film or favorite person in this film is bill skarsgård oh yeah bill skarsgård is phenomenal in this movie he's not in the movie very long he's uh he plays tom holland's father when he's a young kid um and he has a little bit of moments in this movie where you really like feel for his character and there's one scene in particular where like i'm sure if you remember where he's like praying on the log you know what i mean in the forest i think it was and you're like heartbroken like like this guy's life sucks you know what i mean like 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 things aren't going his way and it's just it's it's so like 
hard to see but it's like ridiculously good acting that's that's honestly what carries this movie because this movie is definitely a bit of a slow burn and i think you would agree with that um Mm -hmm, absolutely it's a bit of a slow burn but the acting does carry it very hard um but yeah i mean it's i don't want to give too much because it's actually like it's even though it's a slow burn a lot happens in this movie and uh i definitely recommend it to people i mean if you have the heart to watch it if you have like the mindset to watch it it's it is a very dark movie and i know a lot of people try to avoid these kinds of movies you know i totally get it um but if you can i would definitely watch it especially if you're a tom holland fan this kid is like i said he's on fire and this is one of his better roles and i mean i'm very very excited for his future and uh yeah so this is the devil all the time it's on netflix i'm pretty sure i don't think it ever released in theaters um I don't know if it was ever going to release in theaters. I think it was supposed to be like a straight to Netflix thing. But yeah, I mean, it's phenomenal. Sebastian stands in it too. Like we have so many superheroes in this movie. Yeah, damn, that's right. Yeah, fucking hmm. Spider-Man, Winter Soldier, Batman. Uh, Pennywise. Pennywise, yeah, he's a superhero, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe to some people. <laughs> he's a super <laughs> villain. Um, awesome. So that was your number nine. Devil all the time. That was on my list uh, for quite some time, honestly. I think it was actually high on my list until I saw their movies. I think if you like look at my letterbox, uh, obviously don't until we finish the episode. But I think that's around like the thirteen range, so definitely close to uh, my top ten. But great film, oh. uh, Tom Holland definitely proving the naysayers and uh, you know he, he's Spider Man's wrong, you know. Yeah, people think that he can only do Spider. I mean, like, bro, he was awesome in The Impossibles when he was like ten. He was good in uh, Lost City of Z too. Lost City of Z, he was awesome. That was another movie. Like, it's very similar to this, where like he doesn't appear until like more than halfway through the movie. Yeah, I mean, he's not the main character in Lost City of Z, but uh, definitely a good performance. So, moving on. That too, actually. That what? Robert Pattinson's in that movie as well. Oh yeah, you're right. He is. These two movies are actually kind of similar. Yeah, true. <laughs> but okay, what's your number eight? <laughs> All right, so coming in at my number eight, it's actually one of the more one of the movies I more recently saw, and that is Pieces of a Woman. Nice. At my number eight, it's not an easy film. For those of you who no. don't know, uh, the film revolves around. A woman and a birth that ends in disaster. This is, this is all I'm going to say. Uh, the film doesn't really feel like a film. It feels more like a display of acting given a specific circumstance. And then they just kind of like set up cameras and just recorded. If you, uh, I think you watch this film. I think you could kind of see what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, especially the first like thirty minutes of the movie. Yeah, the, I, I, the first thirty minutes are, are are absolutely grueling and 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 very difficult to watch. Now the only but it's reason like, it's like it's phenomenal, like like what they did film wise. Yeah, I, I, to be completely honest, the only reason this film is inside my top ten is because Vanessa Kirby absolutely carried this film. 
Oh, she's phenomenal. I think Vanessa Kirby is arguably the front runner for Best Actress off of her performance in this film. She is absolutely knocked it out of the park, just portraying a, a sense of grief and 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 someone wallowing in, in misery and and the the power that her performance had was absolutely incredible. I wasn't. I mean, the only reason I was emotionally invested in this film is because of how good Vanessa Kirby was. You, like, really get it. Like, you really feel for her in this movie. Yeah, and, and, and maybe I'm just maybe I'm just a sucker for these kind of movies, like movies that sort of revolve around grief. Because, I mean, Manchester by the Sea was, was one of my favorite films of 2016. Uh, a Ghost Story was one of my favorite films of, of 2018. So it's really no surprise that this film was was in my top 10 it's just it's it's so raw it's 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 very it's so raw so emotional i mean it is almost kind of like oscar Beatty, but it like at a certain point like it's not oscar Beatty like how crash was <laughs> or like how some of like will smith's movies like concussion are but <laughs> i mean vanessa kirby really deserves all the praise and accolades uh that she you know would rightfully uh, win for for this film i'm not saying she had the best performance of 2020 because there is one that comes really close but this one was damn good and i would not be surprised or upset if, if she took home any awards for this yeah i mean for now she's probably my favorite to win best actress and i would hope that she does because i feel like she really deserves it um obviously i don't know this girl personally but i like seeing how hard she acted in this film like like you said she carried this thing and uh she, she really does yeah like you really really feel for her and like i think i'm like i'm similar to you where i like you know i guess i like movies that have to deal with like sadness and grief and like you know darkness um, and this film has a lot of that too. Uh, but yeah, man, like she, she's fucking damn good in this movie. Like she every really scene is. that she's in, you're like captivated by how well she's doing and how like hard you're like feeling for her. And you're like, fuck bro. Like this fucking blows. Like, I don't want this to happen to me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, it's really, it's really difficult to watch. It's, but... a, it's, a, it's especially difficult if you're a woman. I will admit that if you're listening to this, like I said, if it's not your cup of tea, it's not like definitely don't watch it. But if you think you can handle it, I highly recommend it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, but I mean, Vanessa Kirby was was really phenomenal. Um, but that's my number eight pieces of a woman, John. Uh, what's yours? It's a solid number eight. Um, mm-hmm. so my number eight is promising young woman i actually just saw it in theaters um this movie was actually filmed in like 2019 and it came out it was supposed to come out in 2020 obviously and it came out like in january of 2021 and um i'm gonna put it on this list because it is a 2020 movie Mm -hmm, but i also think this is yeah, it's it's. I think it's a very phenomenal movie. Um, I'm gonna read the synopsis that way. You, we kind of know what we're talking about. Um, a young woman haunted by a tragedy in her past takes revenge on the predatory men unlucky enough to cross her path. 
Um, so just to like kind of talk about it for a second, it's pretty much a girl that goes to like clubs and bars and will pretend to be drunk and will go home with men and like kind of like see how they act around her. And, you know, like if they're pushy and trying to like force her to have sex with her with, with them, she will then, you know, get revenge on them. I either I don't think she kills them. <laughs> like I, I never like got the sense of what she actually did because I don't really show it. But um, I mean, I think you know, she, like, I haven't seen the movie, but I think it's implied that she kills them. It's either that or, like, she just, like, fucks them up. You know what I mean? But, like, you could tell that this woman in this movie is, like, very dark. And, like, so, you know, like, they imply it very early on that, like, something happened to her. Mm-hmm. Why is she this way? And you start to see that unraveled throughout the movie. And it t- it takes a big twist in, like, the third act. And you just go on for a fucking ride after that. And, um... I don't want to give anything away, but it's it's very well done. It's 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 different than anything I've ever seen. Um, it was directed by Emerald uh, Fennell, which I don't think she's ever directed anything else that I know of. Okay, she directed another movie called Careful How You Go. Okay. Um. Oh, that's a short film. I'm sorry. But uh, dude, like I I'm actually excited to see if this if this lady directs any more. Man, like it was like such a different kind of movie that I've ever seen doesn't really have any big names in it like carrie mulligan is the main character um she was in uh the great gatsby i don't know if you remember that yeah uh, i think she was in drive she um, was in drive she's inside yeah. uh lewin davis too one of my favorite movies and she's yeah she's a good actress she's just not in a lot of stuff but i was fa- like she's fucking awesome in this and she's the lead role um it's a movie that I recommend a lot of people to see. Now, I could definitely see the third act of this film being very controversial. Like, I could just I could I could see people hating the third act, but I can also see people loving the third act. It's the third act, the last 20 minutes of this movie are hit or miss. It depends on the person. I liked it. I I definitely liked what they were trying to do. I definitely thought they could have done something better and I don't want to give anything away maybe maybe we'll review this movie soon if Steven goes sees it um but yeah it's it's it is a fun movie like I don't want to say fun but it is like a really fun or good watch and I think that for males to go watch this movie like for men to go watch this movie I feel like you'll learn a lot like hmm. it, it really shows a side of women that like men don't necessarily see and we're like oh shit like you know a lot of guys are very pushy like this like maybe we should like stand up and say something or you know for some guys to not act mm-hmm. a certain way around women i'm not gonna get into details about it but yeah it's definitely a movie that is uh it's 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 good it, it's very it, it touches on a lot of things that needs to be brought up interesting okay so that's uh, promising young woman uh, very yes, not to, not to be confused with pieces of a woman. They both have women in the title. Do so have very scary. similar names. Yeah, I mean, you got confused. I remember I told you I was going to go see it, and I was like, no, "Okay, no, bro, okay, bro, you don't have to pull, you don't have to put me on blast in front of our listeners, bro." I have to, I have to, I have to get my one up sometimes. <laughs> um, awesome. So my number seven is actually the most recent film I watched, which I actually kind of want to rewatch. I watch again. I'm kind of mad I couldn't find a place higher on my list for this film, but looking at, at the upcoming films, uh, it's pretty difficult to beat it. And that is 
uh, Small Axe. Uh, well, no, not Small Axe. Small Axe is the anthology of films. It's Lovers Rock. <laughs> part of oh, that's the Steve McQueen. Steve book. McQueen. Part of Steve McQueen's uh, Small Axe anthology. Okay, can you explain what that is exactly? Because I've actually been confused about that too. I've been seeing them all over Letterboxd. So, Small Axe, to my understanding, I haven't seen any of them besides Lovers Rock, but to my understanding, it's just like a series of films that aren't even connected, uh, but revolve around the lives of several um, black characters. Now, each film is completely different. I don't know what any of them are about. I am trying to watch each film in this anthology series completely blind. Um, and I only watched Lover's Rock because uh, I was actually listening to a podcast who had this film on their top 10. So I, I sort of already like had a general idea of what it was about, but I didn't really know uh, too much about it. So I, I went ahead and, and, and I sat down and I watched this film and the film is is great, man. The film is fantastic. And, and it's something that's really right up my alley. Uh, a friend of ours, a, a writer for uh, Backlot, actually, uh, a friend of ours, Peter, he's been on the show before. I actually just realized I didn't have him on my favorite uh, co-host list. <laughs> now I feel kind of bad. make sure I tell him that. <laughs> uh, he actually uh, left a review on Letterboxd that I think sums up the film pretty decently. Uh, he says, uh, the quintessential no plot, just vibes film. <laughs> Which really kind of what it is. The film uh, revolves around... Uh, Two lovers, as said in the name, who enjoy a night at a blues party. And really, that's just what the film sort of revolves around. Uh, Set in the 1980s, it's really a fun watch, man. I mean, I think Steve McQueen does, does a great job of really capturing, like, you know, just true love and that sort of vibe and just like like around just a simple hangout movie and I'm a really big fan of those uh, which is why I'm such a big fan of uh, Richard Licklater Everybody Wants Some is one of my favorite films of all time spoiler alert and it really is a film in which nothing happens and uh, this film is very similar you know it, it really captures uh the vibe of, of, you know, what this blues party is, is sort of like reggae music and, and the sense of community around it. Um, and it's really something that I haven't ever really seen before brought on film. This, uh, you know, that sort of culture, you know, put on screen. It has one of my favorite scenes in film this year uh, that involves uh, the song Kung Fu Fighting. I'm not going to go ahead. I'm not going to say anything else uh, besides that. Uh, but the film really uh, brought a smile to my face and sort of made me miss those pre-quarantine uh, days of being, uh, or pre-COVID days of being uh, in a setting like this. And I, like I said, I think the film is, is contagious in, in that. Um, I think it's a great film to watch when you're sort of like having like a bad day because it really is a wonderful film. So that's my number seven, uh, Lovers Rock. Vibes. Part of yeah, just just vibes, bro. Just strictly vibes in this film. 
it, it's really good, man. It, it's really good. It's really different from a, a lot of the films you watch nowadays, and it's really different from everything else on my top 10, and I really wish I could have put it a little higher. I think uh, it might even end up higher on my list as I rewatch it, but it's it's really, really, really good. Uh, it's incredibly captivating. Um, it kind of makes you almost like want to dance, too. It's just just go ahead and watch it it's it's really good it's it's if you just want to just sit and revel in good vibes watch this film that's steve mcqueen's lover's rock part of his uh, small acts anthology all right um before i continue on to my number seven i want to ask um how like <laughs> how did you watch this is, it, is this on a streaming service or uh, i believe it was on illegally downloading this thing steven oh uh, no we don't do that on we on don't backlot. do that on backlot we don't uh condone that but i watched it on amazon prime actually okay so All pretty right. solid well i actually like i've been wanting to watch those steve mcqueen movies so i, I know some of them are on uh, prime oh are they yeah okay all right so i'll, I'll definitely do that soon i i wanted to i saw that they all had like ridiculously good ratings on letterboxd so i was like i gotta check these out like, oh, a lot like, of them are very awesome. good, actually. Yeah, I, I I definitely need to go watch all those. Um, okay, so my number seven, which I don't even know if this counts for this list, I think it does, is Pixar's Onward. Do you say this counts for this for this list? Yeah. Came I mean, out it came in twenty twenty. The uh, the thing is, is, like, did it come out early enough last year where it was like in? You know, what, it came out twenty twenty. It's on my list. Fuck it. Yeah. All right. So Absolutely. Onward is my is my number seven it was actually my number one for a while until i kind of like watched other movies and like sat about like sat around and thought about it and stuff like not not that it's like this you know thought-provoking movie (laughs) but like you know i loved it i absolutely love this movie but um it definitely deserves a beam on my list and um for those of you that haven't seen it, it's it's a suburban fantasy world where these two teenage elf brothers embark on an extraordinary quest to discover if there is still a little magic left out there. Um, obviously, there's a lot more to the story than that. <laughs> but um, surprisingly, Tom Holland is actually the main actor in this. Uh, Lots of Tom Holland of- in this episode. I'm sorry? Lots of uh, Tom Holland in this episode. Yeah, we were going to get him on this episode, by the way, but uh, he was busy filming Spider-Man. Like, he was in a be on it, and then he was like, yo, man, like, last second, they're trying to have me shoot some crazy Spider-Verse shit. Is, oh, I, I thought I heard I Andrew Garfield that. in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toby might have been in the background, too, but we're not going to confirm anything. Yeah, true, true. But, um, but yeah, so Tom Holland is the, the main voice actor. Voice acting is very different than acting. I will give credit to where, where credit is due. It's Absolutely. very hard to voice act. But uh, Tom Holland does a, a killer job. Chris Pratt is his brother, the older brother, and Chris Pratt is phenomenal in this movie. He cracks me up, and I love Chris Pratt. I mean, if, if you watch a, anything comedy with Chris Pratt, I mean, this guy is going to make you crack up. And um, the movie is very heartwarming and, like, in a sense of, like, I, and I feel like it's, like you especially feel this if you have a brother, if... I, I know Steven has two brothers. I have an older brother. Um, the movie shows you, like, like the true, like, 
bond that that brothers have that like not many people realize that they have you know what i mean like i definitely like cried at the end of this film because i was like wow like i can actually like relate to this movie and i don't know if you feel the same way as i do steven um but it's definitely it's like a it pulls on your heart a little bit yeah it really does it it's definitely an emotional film if uh especially if you have you know siblings I don't even have. I yeah. don't even think brothers just siblings in general. Yeah, siblings. I mean, even like cousins that you're close to. You know what I mean? Like, it could just. It's just. It. It shows like how much like like it just shows how different your bond is with your sibling or your cousin or whatever is compared to like your friends with, you know, that your your friends that you're from school or whatever. And it it really shows a lot of heart. This film and um. Is is, is this a Disney film or a Pixar film? Pixar. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think this is one of Pixar's better movies. I, uh, I mean, they have a fucking great list of movies, anyways. But it it, it definitely, you know, honestly, you it falls teary-eyed. below. Honestly, it falls below middle of the pack for me. It's still a great film, but it, it I mean, middle of the more pack on Pixar. Pixar is like still awesome. Exactly, it speaks more on Pixar's track record than uh, the quality of this film. And there's a lot of little like. If you're a fan of like fantasy worlds and like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, like there's a lot of little small Easter eggs for fans of that throughout the film that you would mm-hmm. definitely appreciate. Um, but yeah, man, this is my number seven. I think it's it's so well done. I love this movie, and I haven't seen it in a long time. I saw it when it first came out on Disney Plus. It's sad that it didn't get the opening, the theatrical release that it deserved, because I feel like it didn't get a lot of like. A lot of people didn't talk about this movie because of that, but it's definitely very well done. And I wouldn't be opposed to a sequel if they wanted to do that route. Okay, interesting. That's my number seven, Onward. Awesome. So moving on to my number six. Coming in hot with my number six on my top ten list is uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm. I really wasn't expecting to enjoy this film as much as I did. And I think that rests on the shoulders of the two leads who I think give incredible performances. Um, And I'm speaking of Viola Davis and uh, Chazwick Boseman in particular. That's Viola Davis in that poster? Yeah, Viola Davis is uh, Ma Rainey. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, the film is absolutely incredible. For those of you who don't know, this is a film adaptation of... uh, I think it's an August Wilson play? If uh, Yes, August Wilson play. Um, uh, Ma Rainey plays, you know, the mother of blues, and Chadwick Boseman is kind of this, like, sassy, young, punk uh, trumpet player. And... you can definitely tell that it's a film adaptation of a Broadway play just through the dialogue and the way a, a lot of scenes are shot. There are, most scenes are really strictly just you know characters talking and interacting with one another in this sort of theater-like uh, staging. Obviously, the film goes away from that uh, during its musical scenes, which are absolutely fantastic. But really, I think the true strength of this film lies on the performances of the two leads. I think 
I personally think this is Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman's uh, awards. I personally think they are the two frontrunners. It's really close between her and Vanessa Kirby, and I think Riz Ahmed gave a great performance in Sound of Metal, but Chadwick Boseman is absolutely electric in this film. Uh, is is Chadwick Boseman, like, do you think he will get nominated for Best Actor, or would it be Best Supporting? Uh, I think he would be Best Actor in this. Okay. I think it, it, it would definitely, he's definitely a... a like a main, you know, actor. I think he'll get uh, maybe a best supporting nom for uh, the Five Bloods because he is really good in that too. Yeah. Uh, but he gives what is, in my opinion, his best and unfortunately uh, his last. This is his last uh, performance. But I, I think this is. I think this is his award. He, he is that good in this. Um, that is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom available on Netflix. Uh, go ahead and give it a watch. It's it's absolutely electric. Rest in peace, man. Yeah, man. Uh, fucking legend. Yeah, it really was. Um, okay, wow. I actually definitely need to watch that. There's a lot of movies that I haven't seen, a lot of movies that Steven hasn't seen um, that are on each other's lists that we haven't seen, which is it's good, though. I like to talk about why he likes it and then going into the movie and having these expectations um but my number six is i know steven hasn't seen this movie and i just recently watched it um was the invisible man which (laughs) is very shocking because when i saw the trailers for this film i wasn't very i wasn't impressed like nothing caught my eye that made me want to be like wow that looks so good i have to go see that um, it just looked like your typical scary thriller, like, you know, movie that comes out every, like a couple times a year. And, um, so I never made it a priority to see it. And then I saw that when it came out, I think it came out in February. So like right before quarantine, um, I saw that it got a bunch of really good ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. I was on Letterboxd. I saw that a lot of people that I follow give it you know, four stars, four and a half, five stars, um, on Letterboxd. So I was like, hold on, like, this movie, like, is it that good? And if you know me, I'm not a fan of horror movies. I'm not a scary movies person. Like, I, like, I will watch a scary movie or a horror movie, um, if the story is good enough. And this movie is definitely good enough. And I, I, the only reason why I decided to watch it was because I was putting my top, my 2020 list together. So I'm happy that I did. And, um, so when I went, I went and saw this movie with a couple friends. So I went with my, my girlfriend and I was impressed. It's, it's got some very like cool special effects. And a lot of them were definitely like practical and, it has a very nice, or not nice, it's actually not nice at all, a, a very <laughs> twisted story that takes a lot of turns in ways that we don't really It was a nice, cute, it was a nice, cute story. <laughs> yeah, it was a, everyone fell in love and lived happily ever after. <laughs> um, but it definitely takes a lot of turns, this film. And there's a lot of turns that they take that you're not really expecting. And I actually like that a lot. And I think that the ending of this movie is very satisfying. 
um, Elizabeth Moss, who I don't really know that if I I think I remember her in she was in the movie Us. She's in, she was in that. Us. She's in uh, The Handmaid's Tale, which I ha- I haven't seen, but apparently it's fantastic. Yeah, like she's she's not in like a whole lot that people will recognize her, but she is so good in this movie, dude. She is so so good. And um, if you don't know the the the, I, I didn't really get a synopsis in the beginning, so I'll I'll give it now. Um, when Cecilia, which is the main actress, abusive her abusive ex takes his own life and leaves her his fortune, she suspects his death was a hoax as a series of coincidences turn lethal. Cecilia works to prove that she is being hunted by somebody that nobody can see. Um, now, I think that if you're not a fan of scary movies like I am, I definitely think it's worth the watch because because of how well done the story is and a lot of the practical effects that they do in this film. I don't think anything really is CGI at all. Um, are fucking like awesome and it's like really such a it's cool to see like the way they filmed it and like I I really appreciate like the cinematography and all that stuff that they did with it. There's a lot of things like a lot, a lot of little tricks that they do that I actually really fucking loved. And um yeah, I mean, it's 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 a great twisted story and it's it's really not scary. It's more like jumpy. It's it's more of a thriller, but it has a couple of jump scares, but they're nothing like gonna like it's not gonna make you not sleep at night. You know what I mean? Like it's it's definitely like a little jumpy, but nothing insane. Like I've definitely seen a lot worse. So if you, it's a very good story, and I highly recommend it. Interesting. I remember when the movie came out. I remember there were like a bunch of memes that were like, "Oh, uh, first look at the Invisible Man in 2020 is the Invisible Man." It was just like nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> yeah. No, the memes for this movie were actually hilarious, but um, it's good. It's actually it's really good. Awesome. So that was your number six, the Invisible Man. Alright, so moving on to number five. My number five is Palm Springs. Oh, that's my number five, too. Really? So we'll do this together. All right, awesome. Uh, so my number five, and apparently John Kegg's number five, um, Max Barbaco's uh, Palm Springs streaming on Hulu, which actually today was announced that they released a uh, another cut of the film with commentary from Andy Samberg and Chris Emiliotti. Ooh, I actually might have to go watch that. Yeah, definitely gives me uh, an excuse to rewatch. So, Palm Springs. This movie was, all, was very shocking. It was way. shockingly good. I did not think I was going to enjoy it as much as it did. And if I have to be honest, it might be the film uh, in from 2020 alongside Lovers Rock that I will probably revisit the most. It, I mean, it's 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 a good time. The film revolves around. Without giving too much of it away, uh, the film revolves around Jesse Eisenberg and his complicated relationship with uh, Chris and Milioti. I don't want to give too. I too, feel like we can say one thing that'll like not give it away too much, but like it tells you like what it's kind of about. I mean, it's a fucking time loop. I mean, it's a time it's, loop. It's it's Groundhog's Day. Yeah, it's Groundhog's Day. It's a time loop. It's uh, a remix. <laughs> yeah, Andy Samberg is stuck in a time loop. Um, and sort that's of it. like don't say any more, but like no, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the film just revolves around the shenanigans that that's uh sort of come with the time loop. It's an interesting take on the time loop, though. It's a very fun take on the time It's loop, very sure. interesting. I'm not going to say uh, exactly why on this episode. 
we definitely talk about it at length in our uh, Palm Springs episode in which John and I talk about this film uh, for quite a while. You can definitely tell how much we liked it there. And uh, the, the film was really good. I, I You know, I, I kind of weirdly sort of related to it a lot uh, because I really felt like I was living the same day over and over and over again because this film came out, like, I think right during quarantine. Yeah, facts. Like, when no one was allowed to leave their house, like, Andy Samberg was just, like, waking up in the same position in the same bed every day with the same circumstances. And I was like, I, I did, like, the Leo DiCaprio pointing meme. And I was like, oh, that's me. <laughs> it's like pretty much yeah, what I've exactly. been doing for the past I don't know how long yeah. uh, but the movie's really fun um, it's surprisingly funny uh, it has a great emotional um, core to it I'm not going to say why uh, but it has a great message about uh, love and, and being loved and stepping out of your comfort zone uh, it's a great film definitely worthy of, of praise and I feel like it low key hasn't really been talked about much maybe because it I came wish it out was talked about more yeah maybe it's because it came out so early uh during like quarantine it was kind of stuck in like a weird it was definitely talked about a lot when it came out uh i definitely think it's an award season contender or at least should be discussed uh, alongside those films and that's uh palm springs my number five uh john go ahead and say uh, whatever you want about it I mean, everything you said is what I agree with. I think this movie does a very good job of, like, like when you see those time loop movies, like Groundhog's Day and all that stuff, like, you know, you start to have, like, your own thoughts. Like, what would I do if I was in those, if I was in this situation? And this movie pretty much shows you what you would probably do in this situation. <laughs> yeah. Like, all the bullshit that they do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they I, definitely I have, have fun with their time loop. Yeah, the movie's a very fun movie. I actually like recommended it to like everybody I talked to, um, because I, like I feel like anybody can watch this movie and enjoy it. It's like, definitely it's the, the most recommendable movie on this list, I think. It, yeah, it, it, it's it's the most recommendable because you can definitely like anybody can like can sit down and enjoy this, whether you're an old man or you're a fucking fifteen year old girl. You know what I mean, like anyone can sit down and really enjoy this movie and have a good time with it so yeah i i loved it i really really loved it a lot and uh i look forward to watching that commentary yeah definitely i'm definitely gonna give it a watch relatively soon uh however the one thing i will say about it is i definitely think uh, it needed a little more jk simmons i can agree with that i mean we i can never get enough of jk exactly uh but that's besides the point so that's palm springs john and i both have that at, at number five surprisingly so, I guess moving on to my number four is uh, Thomas Vinderberg's Another Round. This is a Danish film starring... I need to see this fucking movie. It's really fucking good. This is uh, starring, again, uh, this is Th- uh, Thomas Vinderberg starring uh, Mads Mikkelsen um, and uh, a few other actors who I'm not familiar with. However, to my understanding... Uh, they are popular and successful uh, Danish actors. And the film revolves around uh, four friends, four high school teachers, who decide to start their own experiment, <laughs> which is living every single day with a constant level of a specific alcohol intoxication. I don't remember exactly what it was, like the exact number that they used. But trying to maintain it uh, for reasons of which uh, I won't spoil, although they do say it like relatively early on in the film. 
but I, now wait now wait are they doing it 24 hours or like just like when they're awake like i mean like as they go well, throughout like, their day okay so like they're not gonna like wake up while they're sleeping like fucking chug two beers and then go back to sleep no 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 it's like while they go throughout their day it's like like they just try to keep like this level of alcohol like for varying reasons um which i don't want to get to too much because it kind of I kind of want viewers to sit down and, and resonate with that alone. But it is pretty impactful and pretty emotional. I will say a lot really? of it has yeah, a lot of it has to do uh, revolving around sort of like a midlife crisis and realizing all the regrets you have in your life and being unhappy with the person uh, that you have become. In certain situations, uh, it deals a lot with that. Uh, obviously, it deals a lot with alcoholism and and sort of this wish fulfillment slash substance abuse that's going on. Um, it's kind of funny. It's genuinely comedic at times um, and sort of sad in others because it is honestly a, a pretty relatable film. And I know there's a lot of films that obviously, you know, portray alcoholism and, and, you know, um, but this is very honest in which how it does it. It's not too, you know, it's not glorifying, but it's not too sappy, um, but it's very true. Um, I feel like it's maybe a, a little relatable for a lot of people. And I would recommend it just off of its messages and its themes alone and its ending. I'm not going to spoil what the ending is. I'm not going to say anything about it uh, besides the fact that it's my favorite ending of the year. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really, really good film. Uh, it should be coming to theaters uh, relatively soon. And that's, oh, uh, really? Yeah, I believe so. Ooh, I actually have to wait to see that theaters then. Yeah, uh, it's Thomas Vinterberg's uh, Another Round. I actually, I just read Peter's review on it, and I actually like his review a lot. He said, Mads is a god. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I mean, I actually follow a, a, another Letterboxd reviewer who kind of sums it up in one single sentence, uh, and it's actually a quote. Here's to alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. And that hmm. is a quote from none other than Homer Simpson. <laughs> That's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, so I definitely recommend this film. Uh, I mean, it's, it's my number four on my list. Yeah, I'm, I, I need to watch this soon. Um, I see that you can rent it on Amazon, so maybe I'll pull the trigger and just uh, rent it like sometime this week and watch it. Yeah, um, I would. I would actually highly recommend that. Before I continue on, I do want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Would you have been? Okay. Or no, I, I'm sure you'll agree. Like, or you'll you'll definitely say yes. But would you be? Would you have liked to see Mads Mikkelsen play Doctor Doom? Yes, that's a stupid question. I think he would be like the perfect casting. Yeah, I think he'd be a great Doom. Uh, depending on who maybe, they maybe cast Magneto. As... Eh, I think I'd prefer Doom. I prefer Doom too, but I, I could definitely see him as Magneto. Yeah, true. I mean, I prefer I... Jason Isaacs as Magneto. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it kind of sucks that he was. I don't want to say sucks because Doctor Strange is a good movie, but obviously, like he was kind of wasted, in, though. Yeah, a lot of villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe are wasted. 
and uh, his was definitely one of them. Like they could have definitely given that role to a lesser known actor, and it still hit the same. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He couldn't really flex his acting chops too much, because man, the dude yeah. is really good. Oh, he's awesome. I mean, he was good in Doctor Strange. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, yeah definitely could have uh, did something. They could have given him something better. Yeah. Um. Okay, so my number four is Pieces of a Woman, which we've already spoken about. So I'm not going to go crazy about it, but I do want to say that I have Vanessa Kirby as my favorite to win Best Actress this year. Um, I hope she does. And uh, I think Shia LaBeouf is good in this movie as well. Um, Benny Safdie is in this movie. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like, know it was him on. while I was watching, but uh, I like he, his name came up in the credits, and, and I looked it up, and I was like, oh, wow, interesting. Yeah, I, I recognize it because I was like, because I was like, I had to do like a triple take um, because I remember him in Good Time. So I was like, wait a second, what? So then I had to like, I had to look it up too to see like, did these fuckers write this movie or something? But no, I don't think they were a part of it at all. But, uh, but yeah, this movie is very good. We've already spoken about it. Um, dark. And I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. Um, Vanessa Kirby for for 2021 Oscar. Please. Awesome. So that was your number four, Pieces of a Woman. Uh, moving on to my number three. My number three is a movie that we recently reviewed and spoke about. Um, that's Wolfwalkers. It's a movie that really caught me by surprise. I hadn't heard about it, you know, going into the year. Yeah, I just sort of like heard about it actually a couple of weeks before it came out on Apple TV Plus uh, so after like looking into it I was really taken in by his art style uh, like I said in that episode it reminds me a lot of uh, Studio Ghibli and Over the Garden Wall which are two of my favorite things in the entire world so off the bat I was really taken in by this and when I sat down to watch it, the beauty in its animation and its designs, like the commercials and, and stills and, and all of that really don't do it justice. This is the most beautifully animated film of the year and probably the most beautifully animated film I have seen uh, in quite some time. Now... Uh, I'm a big like believer in you should watch every film you see like on a, like the biggest screen you can. Definitely agree. Yeah, I, I know people who have watched like like movies like Whiplash literally like on an iPhone, and it's like <laughs> it's like no, bro, why? Did, what was oh? Do you remember that meme I sent in our group chat like a, like a month or two ago where someone like watched? Irishman on their like iPod from like 2005. Yeah, on the on the old iPod uh, <laughs> Nanos. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this is how we were supposed to watch this, right? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> That's actually so good. I love that. Yes. So, um, I definitely recommend watching this film like on a really big screen, only because of how beautiful it is and how breathtaking, um, uh, you know, its animation and 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 its scenery is. It's kind of weird because this isn't like you know normally animated movies are are you know I don't think animated movies are kids movies but I know a lot of people have that idea that they are. Yes. I really disagree with that. Um however, I don't really think this film is too too accessible for kids. I could definitely see younger kids 
getting a little bored by it. However, I do think it's actually an incredibly, I think it has an incredibly great story. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, Princess Mononoke, which I brought up uh, in the way it tackles its its man versus nature storyline, and it's like almost like colonial like well I mean not almost like because it, it pretty much is an allegory to like the British uh, occupation of Ireland um, like it's almost like very obvious that that's what, what it talks about so it, it definitely has a lot more mature themes uh, than I was expecting going into it so that really took me by surprise and it's really powerful uh, it's really moving incredibly beautiful uh, I would recommend it to everyone, actually. I really, really, really enjoyed this film. And uh, that is Wolfwalkers on uh, Apple TV+. Plus. Has Sean Bean in it. Okay, Sean Bean's in it. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, very distinct. Like, you could definitely tell it's Sean Bean. <laughs> Ned Stark. Um, okay, I, I don't know why I had it in my head that Wolfwalkers was a miniseries. But yeah, now I guess now you confirmed that it's a movie. Yeah, it is a movie. Okay, so it's on Apple TV. I'll check that out. Apple TV is very slowly starting to come out with some good content. Um, I heard Defending Jacob is another good one on that. On yeah, that, I haven't uh, seen that, so I don't really know too much about it. I don't know too much about it either, but I I, I might have to watch that soon. I know I've heard of good things. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I We've talked about it before. I love Ted Lasso, which I want you to watch. Yeah, I haven't I seen Ted Lasso. I think it's a great yet. first season. But yeah, well, TV's, uh, they're on the rise. Uh, they're definitely, we definitely got to keep an eye on that, on that uh, streaming service. Um. Okay, cool. So, my number three is... What's a little surprising, like how high I have it, maybe maybe to some people, um, but it's The Way Back, by directed by Gavin O'Connor, starring Ben Affleck. Um, it's a very, I could tell that Ben Affleck took this movie on because of his personal life, and for those of you that don't know, um, Ben Affleck went through a lot of alcohol issues. Um, especially during the time of when he was filming like a lot of his Batman stuff and I know that he wants a rehab and I know that he's doing a lot better now especially since he was dating um, Anna de Armas Um, she apparently helped him a lot with his personal growth as a person uh, or or, like to grow out of that state of which he was consuming alcohol all the time and um, I definitely see that, like, why he took this movie on because it has, like, a deeper meaning to him. And I fucking love that, that he did that because I do think that this is a very good movie. And I th- I think it's Ben Affleck's, like, Ben Affleck, I mean, I don't think he's that great of an actor. I think he's a fucking really good director. He's definitely he's a better a much- director than he is actor. Yes, totally. But he, he does act well in certain you know like, like when given the right like he's, he's definitely not a bad actor he's not no no he's not he's like like there's a lot of movies that come to mind like argo the town uh i do think his brother is better than him though casey's for sure 100 percent better than him but but ben affleck is no chump you know what i mean like absolutely definitely know, can hold this his guy own. yeah this guy is definitely like someone that for, has to like have a name in the movie industry like he has to like he needs to be respected 
um, especially with his director directorial skills and such. But yeah, man, this movie is just it's a lot about a guy that he's a former like basketball like basketball player, um, like high school like he was like a high school superstar. I think he played a little bit of college, um, and it shows how like how his life kind of went to shit. You know, he lost his wife and you know became an alcoholic and he's asked to be head coach of the basketball team that he uh, played high school at and it shows how it shows a lot of growth within the movie and how he resonates with these kids because he kind of has like a connection with that with the sport and he was once an all-star player and it shows how you know like how much of a basketball mind this guy has and you know, like if you're a sports fan, you'll for sure like this movie. Um, and it's not really too too much about sports, but it's more about the issues that he has to deal with that comes with being an alcoholic, and you know the family issues that you have to run into because of these things. And it's a it's a very deep story. And I I actually like really was I really liked the ending to this movie. Um, I could definitely see people being like wanting more than the ending that they were given, but I was content with how they ended the film and um i definitely uh, like so like i said like i said earlier like ben affleck this is for sure his like it's probably like his top three movie that he's acted acted in i mean i would probably have to put argo on that list i don't know what my third would be but it's one of his best really interesting I, girl. I definitely have to give it a watch i definitely uh looked over it uh, as the year came on i didn't i don't know it just like i could see it not really like pulling like someone's interest in right away yeah like i mean like i always wanted to watch it it was just one of those movies that like i would just rather watch something else but now that you put it at number three on your list um i definitely think i have to uh give it a watch definitely yeah like i could see a lot of people being surprised that it's number three um like if you were to watch it i can maybe see you maybe putting it like number 10 or number nine uh, but I could see you definitely appreciating what it is. And um, Gavin O'Connor, the director, I think this is – it's either his best or his second best movie. Um, and he's done a lot of stuff that we've seen. Like he did The Accountant with Ben Affleck. I wasn't a big uh, fan of that movie. I wasn't either. Uh, but he did Miracle, which I thought was a good movie. I don't know. I, the, the hockey one. You remember that one? Uh, I never watched that one actually. Uh, okay, that came out like in the early two thousands. Um, he did Warrior, which I love. The one with Tom Hardy. And, I actually uh, haven't well, seen Warrior. I love that movie, bro. It's on Hulu. Um, but yeah, Warrior. It's which, by the way, like I just want to throw it out there. It's like an MMA movie. Like, so if you're like an MMA fan, boxing, you know, like combat sports fan, like you'll fucking appreciate that movie. Yeah, I heard Tom Hardy's um, really good in it. Yeah, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy for that movie like lost a ton of weight because before he did that movie he was like a little bit like chubby kind of had like a little bit of a gut and was asked to be in the movie and was like they were like yo like we need you to look like a fucking mma fighter so i think he went and did mma training like brazilian jiu-jitsu and and boxing and all that stuff and he built like a fucking huge like this is i think he filmed that before bane i could be wrong it was either before or right after but like he definitely like built like this size and like just kept it like you know for the past like 10 years because he's huge in every movie that he's in now and uh but yeah he gets fucking ripped for that movie and he's so fucking he's so good in that but like gavin o'connor's movies are like hit or miss hmm 
Interesting. I'll, de- I'll definitely give a Warrior watch. So, do you have anything else to say about 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 the way back? No, I mean it's 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 a good movie. It's not like the best movie of all time, but like it's it's a solid watch. I think a lot of people should watch this. Okay. All right. Awesome. So, moving on to my number two, uh, I have Darius Martyr's uh, Sound of Metal. Okay, me too. Really? You have uh, Sound of Metal at your two? Yeah, I loved it. Hmm. I wonder if we have the same number one. Yeah, we do. We for sure do at this point. Interesting. Okay, so Sound of Metal, for those of you who don't know, uh, is about a drummer in a heavy metal band who begins to lose his hearing. And the film revolves around how he sort of comes to grip with losing, pretty much losing what he loves. I mean, losing what is at that point, you know, all he knows and then it's this life. Uh, Riz Ahmed plays Ruben, the main character of the film, who gives a fucking fantastic performance. I think him and Chadwick Boseman are the two frontrunners for uh, best performance. I wouldn't be surprised or upset if, you know, either one of them won. I think I would give Bozeman a slight edge, but, you know, not by much. Uh, But Riz Ahmed was absolutely great in this. Olivia Cooke um, was also really, really, really good in this film. Um, And Paul Rassi, Paul Rassi, Paul Rassi, I don't don't really know how to pronounce his name, was was also really good in this. Um, Would it be surprised if he gets a Best Supporting uh, Actor nom in this? So... Again, the film revolves around the drummer losing his his sense of hearing, and I mean, it really impacted me as uh, someone who wants to get into this sort of like artistic space, because I can't imagine going through what Rizamet's character does in this film, losing something that is so important to you, and I think it's really interesting because uh, this film has a lot of really cool parallels with uh, My Number One. Which I'm not going to spoil right now, but uh, definitely, which I'm just noticing right now, actually, <laughs> definitely some cool parallels and, and, and interesting similarities between the two. Yeah, I see it. Okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So you probably know what my number one is. <laughs> oh, no, we have we have the same number one. I already know that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it really is about the impact uh, and like that, you know, losing something so important to you has it reminds me a lot of whiplash too um mainly because of i guess because both are films about drummers <laughs> and their relationship <laughs> not only to uh drumming and music but how their hardships playing music affects their personal lives and the lives around them and i think uh this film does something really great with that in the same way whiplash does I definitely agree. I think uh, this movie shows like what an artist losing their main like sense. Like I can't even put it in words. You know what I mean? Like 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 losing like one of their main things. And I like I think of it as like a painter losing like imagine get like a painter getting like the world's best painter getting their hands cut off. Yeah, or like even losing like like fingers or like knowing that or not even that or like knowing that in a year or two years like you're going to lose 
like mobility of your fingers of your hands not even just getting them cut yeah, off like a something something like important to like something debilitating career, to your hands. to your hobby to like who you are as a person the yeah. reason why you wake up yeah man like it's fucking brutal and and, and i think it hits people uh hardest of those who people who have passions like that people who who dedicate themselves every day to something that they absolutely, you know, love and adore. Like, imagine if I went to your house and I took your podcast mic away. You'd be doing me a favor. <laughs> I mean, I would be crushed. Aw. Like, I mean, not because of you. I mean, that Aww. means I could just replace you with somebody else. <laughs> I was talking about if it happened to me. Oh, Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. That or if they they take away your fingers and you can't code anymore. Oh my god. Or I can't write like reviews anymore. Or I can't post cool things on Instagram at inside the backlot on Instagram. Or you can't tweet about the the, the Colts. Right? Or Matthew Stafford coming to the Colts? I can't Photoshop we, jerseys on Aaron Rodgers. We move. We move. <laughs> um what were we talking about again? <laughs> the sound of metal. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know how like a, like a, like I don't want to say dark, but like a you know a little a movie that has like a, like a, like a lot of sadness to it. And we're like making light of it. I mean, yeah. I mean, we weren't. It's your fault. It's it is my fault. <laughs> um, I, do you have anything else to say about Sound of Metal? Um, the movie, like I said, does have a lot of like sad and gloomy aspects to it but it also has a lot of moments that make you smile and make you see life a little differently and you see it through this character's eyes Mm -hmm. and i actually really appreciated that and like you said man riz ahmed was awesome in this like like there's a lot of moments in this film where the camera like pans in on his face or like kind of is like very it's like shot very close to his face and the acting that he like gives off like just from his like facial expressions and like you just really fucking feel for the guy Mm -hmm. and um yeah man i really loved it like it's 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 very good and i could see someone that's very into music very into like drumming um Definitely, hit, definitely will hit musicians hard. I think. Yeah, it, it definitely will. It definitely will. It's it's very fucking good. I think I gave it like a four, four or four and a half out of five. Um, but I mean, it's 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 a top. Like this would be like on my list for any year. You know what I mean? Like agreed. It's it's that good of a movie. And I want to say that if you want to watch this, it is on Amazon Prime Video. Amazon Prime Video has been fucking releasing some good ass. Content. Oh, they're absolutely just th- shitting on Netflix right now. Amazon Prime Video is arguably the best streaming service, like right now, like other than like HBO Max. I mean, they have this. Uh, they have One Night in Miami. They have the Steve McQueen Small Axe series. All of them. Um, they're getting a Lord of the Ring show. The Lord of the Ring, yeah, they're absolutely just crushing Netflix. Cause like yeah, Netflix is cool, but I mean, like, Netflix was like like is like was cool like back in the day, like in 2012. <laughs> a lot of their originals are really hit or miss. They don't really have a good selection of anything before like in 1990. 
you know, it's and, and there's so much HBO shit. Max definitely has that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, HBO Max has uh, a lot of like uh, TCM, so definitely a lot of like 40s, 50s, um, even s- some films from like the 30s. Definitely a, a better variety than Netflix is just all over the place. Yeah, it it, it really is. But I mean, we we'll, we'll literally talk about this for like another hour. So, um, do you have anything else to say Sound about of Sound of Metal? Nope. All right. Directed by Darius Martyr, which mad props. I I actually think that he might and should get a nod for best director for this movie. Uh, agreed. I, I I think so too. So moving on, my number one, and what I think is your uh, number one as well. Uh, Pixar's Soul is my number one film of 2020. Wait, it wasn't Enola Holmes? <laughs> you know that actually almost made my list. It was actually a good movie. I, I it it, it is. Well. I really enjoyed it. it I really considered yeah. putting it at least as an honorable mention. Yeah, I actually very much enjoyed it. I thought Henry Cavill and um, and what's her face? Um, oh Millie God, Bobby her Brown? Name. Yes, Millie Bobby Brown. She was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, moving on. Um, Soul. My favorite film so of 2020, good. and I'm assuming your favorite film of 2020. Yep. The film, uh, this movie is incredible. It is my highest, no, it's not my highest rated film. Well, no, yeah, it is of 2020 on Letterboxd. It's a film that really resonated uh, with me personally. It's story about someone coming to terms with you know their passion and their purpose in life uh, may not always be what you think it is and it's something that I think can really resonate with with just about anybody you know um, it, it, it's not exactly entirely what I was expecting and I think um, I, I definitely see a lot of people going into this movie with the wrong mindset, like thinking that they're going to watch a movie different than what was actually happened, that were different than what actually happened. Yeah, I mean, I watched this with my family uh, on Christmas, actually, and the room was pretty split. I mean, I absolutely adored and I love this film. And quite honestly, right now, maybe it's just a gut reaction. Um, and I'm just going off of like, you know, a first viewing emotion. I have this in my top five Pixar films, actually. I mean, you've had a month to think about it now. Yeah, and I, it still is a top five Pixar film for me personally. Um, only I need to, because uh, of its message. I need to make a list. I need to make a list of Pixar movies. I mean, I have... But it would probably be in my top five. I mean, I could tell you my top five. My top five is uh, Ratatouille, The Incredibles, Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., and Soul. Okay. That's a good list. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I know uh, a lot of people who really didn't enjoy this film as much. Uh, I know some people... Your brother. F- yeah, my brother... Um, I, I mean, he still liked the film, but compared to Pixar, he found it a little difficult. Uh, like, I guess the message maybe just didn't hit him like maybe other Pixar films have, which, I mean, it's totally fine. Every film impacts people in different ways. But for me, this film really, really, really resonated with me in a way that I wasn't expecting it to. Uh, like Peter, 
uh, our friend Peter, who has been on the show before, kind of said it best on Letterbox. Uh, that hurted. <laughs> um, <laughs> Peter actually has like the best reviews. He really does. Uh, they're very like, short and to the point. Highly recommend following him on uh, on Letterbox. Yeah, um, I think the film is is really a, a wonderful and, and beautiful celebration of of life and and what it means to live and what it means to be happy with your life, and really a celebration of music and ways to that that music can, can be an escape for for a lot of people. I wasn't expecting. Well, I was expecting uh, the film to maybe be a little bit more. Musically, I really thought it was going to be a film about jazz. Um, with I very some, much thought that. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a film about jazz and with a, some life in it, but it was a film yeah, about a life with some jazz in it. Showed that, and I'm happy that it was a little bit different than what we expected. I'm I'm actually very happy with that. Yeah, me too. Um, it's the first Pixar film to have a, a black protagonist, uh, which I thought was wonderful. Jamie Fox was absolutely fantastic as Joe Gardner. I think Joe Gardner was a great, great, great character. Jamie Fox again shows us that he's one of the best entertainers on this planet. Oh, Jamie Fox is a fantastic actor. And anything that he does. Absolutely. Um, I think the film is, is, is really a great one-of-a-kind sort of anime, uh, animated film, especially Pixar. And I think this is you know, for a lot of praise, uh, Pixar gets for being uh, very adult and having very adult themes. I definitely think uh, this is the most uh, mature they've ever been. This is, I agree. I I think that this movie is like not for kids, and not saying that in a bad way. I just, it's not like I could see a fucking like ten year old kid getting super bored of this movie yeah i could definitely see kids like falling asleep during this film like it's it's very much made for adults and the fans like and, and and like us included like you know like where we grew up with pixar movies as kids and it's like you know it shows us another meaning of of life mm-hmm. um I mean, I, I don't know, like, if it happened to you, um, but the film, like, really changed the way that I look at a lot of things and approach a lot of things uh, in my personal life. Um, and I think that really stems because of, you know, my viewing of this film. I mean, that is how deeply this film legitimately impacted me. I don't know if, if maybe you didn't, I don't know if you can relate to it on that level or if you didn't. Uh, but uh, that's really how I found myself once, you know, when I really started thinking about it and my connection with this movie. I, I kind of had the same uh, reaction to that. Um, I definitely had a, like, more of an appreciation for, you know, the life that I'm living and, and you know, where I'm going next. You know what I mean? And, and those, the people that I'm surrounded with. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think also one thing that we haven't really spoken about is uh, this movie is beautiful. You know? Oh yeah, dude, bro, this movie like like a lot people don't realize how fucking like detailed it is. Yeah, dude, the fucking scene where he's in the barber shop, it's like so satisfying because of how detailed it is and like the like the smallest things, like a little hair sticking out 
uh, you know, amongst a bunch of other ones. And, and it's just like, you know, you can see pores on the their skin. On, like it's a Pixar movie. I mean, there's there were some scenes of backdrops of New York City, which looked, which real. almost looked like real life. Like it was photo. Like I legit thought I was there. It, yeah, it was. It was jaw dropping how good the animation and and designs of this film were. Now, um, I'm a really really big fan of. I don't know if you know who Don Hertzfeld is. Do you know who Don Hertzfeld is? Don Hertzfeld. He is a he is a filmmaker of he does like smaller I don't want to say indie because they don't really feel indie, but um he does a lot of like existential um animation animated films, um which I am of the opinion that it's such a beautiful day is uh, one of the best films ever created it's one of my favorite films of all time and for those of you who know who Don Hertzfeld is this movie really feels like Pixar trying to channel um their inner Don Hertzfeld like I said um he's done films like it's such a beautiful day world of tomorrow which is fantastically written and animated and has such a beautiful message uh the films aren't for everyone they're definitely difficult to watch and it's subject matter and animation style they're almost kind of like stick figures almost um but they're beautiful nonetheless and and i found myself constantly thinking of it uh while i was watching this film and uh uh, that is a good thing (laughs) for soul yeah i i uh I, I've never seen any of those films, but um, I, I have. I I love this movie, man. And there's so many, so many things that happened that really gets you. It's like thought provoking, like in a way, and makes you like reflect on a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, it has my favorite scene of the year. I'm not gonna spoil it and say what it is. I'm sure you could probably figure out what it is that I'm talking about uh, especially if you have seen the film it's uh, a little bit towards the end not only is it my favorite scene of the year but it might be in my top three Pixar scenes of all time like uh, like for me like the Ratat- the monologue at the end of Ratatouille is, is number one and I'm not sure how that will ever be topped by Pixar Oh, uh, this film is is definitely up there. Or that that the scene in particular that I'm speaking about is definitely up there. Um, yeah, I agree. I it's it's that it's the just the whole third act of this movie is yeah, it's is like beautiful. It's yeah, it's 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 really is absolutely incredible. Um, so that is both of our number ones. That is Pixar's Soul. Highly, highly, highly recommend. By the way, Graham Norton is hilarious in this. I love Graham Norton. Yeah, he he was really good in it. I didn't know it was him. Yeah, I had to, like, when I was looking at the cast, I was like, what? And then I was like, yeah, that that was him now that I think about it. (laughs) He's fucking hysterical. Yeah, I I didn't know it was him. Um, Yeah, so that's uh, a sore of both of our favorite films of of the year. And such a phenomenal movie. Yeah, and that is our top 10 films of 2020. And now, 
I want to bring this up. I kind of almost don't want to because I kind of want to end this episode on a good note. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to bring it. it. No, because I was going to ask you what the most disappointing film of the year was for you personally, but I don't want to end this episode on a bad note, you know? Just say it, bro. All right, what was your most disappointing film of the year? (laughs) I mean, mean, probably Wonder Woman. I mean, yeah. <laughs> was that yours? Yeah, I mean, that has to be everybody's, I think. Because the thing about that is, like, I liked the first one. Now, I don't I don't think it's, like, a masterpiece like some people make it out to be. Um, but the first one's good. And I thought Patty Jenkins had something really strong going for this movie, and or for Wonder Woman. And then the second one I was excited for. I thought the premise of it was sounded cool. And uh, everything I saw, like trailers and pictures and all that, had me pretty hyped. And then the movie kind of just fell flat. <laughs> just doesn't really do anything well. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't want to talk about it too much now. We're already pretty much two hours in. Uh, we never reviewed Wonder Woman and Soul uh, on this podcast. If you're wondering why, it is because I was on vacation while these... Uh, movies were released and uh, I have something else in store for those two movies maybe not Soul because we just spoke about it I think we gave a pretty good review on it Uh, but there's definitely something different coming uh, in regards to Wonder Woman from Backlot in which you all will see hopefully soon Uh, I'm not going to say much more than that but yeah those are our top 10 films of 2020 uh, some good movies. Very solid list of good movies. Honestly, considering like if we would have considered like a normal year of releases, like everything went as planned, I still think my top like six would remain like would be in my top ten. Maybe not in that order, but I still think those would definitely be in my top ten. Everything from yeah. Lovers Rock, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Pump Springs, uh, um. Soul, Sound of Metal, Wolfwalkers, and Another Round. I think those all would have been in my top 10, even considering this was if this was like a normal year. For sure. So, you know, still a lot of great content uh, released this past year. Definitely a lot of good stuff to maybe, if you've seen it and didn't like it, maybe come back around a and, and giving it another watch. And if you haven't seen it, maybe go ahead and watch it. Maybe it impacted you the same way it did for us. And if it did, let us know on Twitter or Instagram. Yes, reach out to us. Let us know. Um, we love to hear your opinions on our opinions or on your films. So go ahead and, and get in contact with us. Keep an eye out for our upcoming episode, which will be coming out this weekend. We're going to be talking about WandaVision episodes uh, three and four. I don't want to say anything else because I don't want to say what I thought of the episode. But yeah, you and I have like not really said much about episode three, so I want to go into that fourth episode and that review for those two episodes, like fresh and just fucking bounce off each other with like crazy theories. Absolutely. I mean, I'm really excited for the fourth episode. Um, we're gonna get that to you guys as soon as possible, and when, when the fourth episode drops on Disney Plus on Friday, and. Yeah, keep an eye out for that, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, leave us a rating on wherever you listen to your podcast from. Drop us a review if possible, 
and follow us on social media. You know, John and I are both on Letterboxd. You could find our links on social media, on Twitter, on InsideBacklot at Twitter.com, and on Instagram at InsideTheBacklot. A lot of cool stuff being posted there daily. So go ahead and uh, drop a follow. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good night or evening or whenever you listen to this.